Hello, everybody. Marcus Giuliano here, your host of In the Weeds, Real Tales from Restaurateurs. And who's joining me today? Uh, you're talking to Miguel Trinidad from New York City. Awesome. Executive chef of Jeepney and 99th floor. Awesome. 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 Thank you for joining me today. Going to have a, a really awesome conversation here uh, about food that's not that well known to a lot of America, uh, but which is a very um, delicious cuisine, amazing cuisine. We're going to talk about how you jumped into this cuisine. So um, you are a culinary graduate, correct? Went to correct. culinary school. Um, we were talking and you dreamed of cooking Italian food or that was your goal was Italian food, correct? Yes. Yes. That was <laughs> first. <laughs> when I graduated ICE, the Institute of Culinary Education, I thought that I would go out and change the world by cooking Italian food. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that wasn't the case. What happened, I ended up cooking Filipino food and still changing the world in my own way. Beautiful. So Filipino food. That's awesome. So, um, you, you want to go Italian, you end up going Philippine, to, to, to the Filipino cuisine. Uh, how long has the restaurant been in business? Uh, well, we had two locations. Marharlika was open for nine years, recently shut down last month. Jeepney has an eight, year, eight and a half year run right now. Wow, that's amazing. And this is in New York City. We're at New York City. In New York City's East Village, you know, the heart of it all. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, so take us through this, this massive niche change your career change uh you you're, you're thinking you're going italian you end up here um how does this all happen well um the way it happened was you know i graduated culinary school and i went for my first line job interview this is where i met my business partner it was a restaurant called lola uh southern cuisine i jumped in as a line cook within two months i became executive chef of the place just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Really didn't even know what I was doing, but the owner was willing to take me under his wing and teach me the ropes. Uh, there I met Nicole and Nicole had this vision that she wanted to open up a Filipino restaurant, but really couldn't find a Filipino chef that believed that the food would ever be accepted or a crossover to the mainstream because it is an unknown cuisine. I mean, it's been around for years and it's known in the Filipino community, but outside of that, how do you bridge the gap between cultures and really introduce them to something that is foreign? Uh, think of it much like when sushi first became popular. You know, people didn't know what sushi was. It's like raw fish, I'm not gonna eat that. But once people were educated on what the food is and what the culture and the flavors, it became more popular and more mainstream. That was our mission with Filipino food, was to put it on the map and really bridge the gap between cultures. That's awesome, that's awesome. So you rise in, in literally a couple of months to being an executive chef, and um, that, that's amazing. So, you know, there's, there's a, two types of people in the world, the go-getters and the ones who really need to be nurtured, uh, pushed, held accountable, things like that. So you definitely sound like you're in that 5% of the go-getters. So that's awesome. Um, so um, now you decide, okay, time to open a restaurant. Right. Uh, what's your time frame? What are your resources? What, what in the world are you thinking at this point? Because um, you're, I mean, how, how long are you out of culinary school at this point? I mean, literally, I had been out of culinary school three months before I was, you know, executive chef at the restaurant. 
Um, I had met Nicole and we started talking about this project four months after graduating. Literally within that first year of graduating, we had already begun the research and the process. We did this all undergrad. So what, what does that mean exactly? We were doing a lot of R&D on our own, cookbooks, talking to relatives, talking to Filipinos, and getting recipes and then playing around with them at home and inviting people into her house or my house, strangers off the street, saying, hey, we're doing some R&D for this restaurant. Will you mind coming and just giving us some feedback on the food? And we did that for about five months. And this is where one of my biggest failures happened, right? Because there's a, a dish called dinaguan. Dinaguan is, it's a pork blood stew. So think of it like a boudin noir, uh, what is it, black pudding. You know, it's, it's, there's pork blood in it. It's a stew, it's a deconstructed blood sausage. And I follow all of these recipes. And when I'm following the recipe, the tea, the house smells great. And then comes the part where I incorporate the blood into the stew. The recipe called for pork blood. I went ahead and I got blood cake. When I chopped this up and dumped it into the stew, it smelled like one of those porta potties just exploded in my kitchen. And I have about six strangers in my apartment, right? And I turned to them and the look on their face was, <laughs> was fear it was absolute fear um at that point i realized i did something wrong and i told them this dish didn't work out the way that it did but that was a catalyst to say you know what we've been doing this through cookbooks and through having conversations with people i think it's time for us to actually go and immerse ourselves in the culture so we hopped on a plane and we backpacked throughout the philippines for three and a half months from the most northern point all the way down to the most southern tip and there we met so many incredible people and saw all these different cultures in different regions of different provinces and how the food changed from north to south that it just inspired us to not only write a cookbook about it, but also to educate people on the different provinces of the Philippines and what the different recipes and heirloom recipes were. This is awesome. Talk about action takers. This is awesome. So, <laughs> so first of all, you're inviting strangers into your apartment to do R&D, you're buying cookbooks, you're experimenting, and then you're like, you know what, let's just go there and figure out what's going on firsthand. I love that. Um, you know, I think that's the best kind of advice that you can give to any restaurateur is, even if you're gonna cook Italian food, go to Italy, jump in. If you wanna do Mexican food, go jump in. People don't realize that, that every, like you're saying, every region, every province, everything in these countries is is different from one mountain range to another mountain range Absolutely. and it's just it's mind-blowing you can easily set up 50 different italian restaurants under one umbrella with all of them having different cuisine different italian cuisine so this is this is like 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 so what was what was the biggest thing that you found uh that we were missing in america was it was it was the good filipino restaurants was it the ingredients was it this, the, the lack of anybody executing it? What was missing from the Philippines to, on the, to, compared to the U.S. market restaurant-wise? I would say it's a little bit of each column. You know, the ingredients that you find in the Philippines, very difficult to get here. A lot of the fruit, for instance, is non-existent here in, in New York City. Um, 
there wasn't a lot of people that were doing it. You know, you had Cendralon, which was the only Filipino restaurant in New York City that was a bit upscale. And they were around for, I think they had a 20-year run. But again, you know, they, they were amazing in what they did, but not many people knew about it, right? So we wanted to make sure that by opening up a Filipino restaurant and grabbing this niche market, we wanted to show New Yorkers, the United States, non-Filipinos, what Filipino food was. You know, you have guys like Andrew Zimmern who gets on, you know, the Food Network or uh, on, on a periodical and says, you know, Filipino food is the next big thing. It's not the next big thing. You just didn't know anything about it. You're finally catching up. It's been here for a while. It's like saying, you know, bolognese is the next big thing. It's been around forever, right? And it doesn't take a celebrity to really put the food on the map. What it takes people that are very passionate about what they're doing, that want to educate people on how to eat the food, what the food is, where it comes from, what the ingredients are all about, and what the history of the food is. Because Filipino food has been described as a cuisine of occupation. You know, it has so many influences. It has Chinese, Japanese, Malaysian, Indian, and American influence. All, in, all evolved the food into one culture, into one cuisine. So you have to understand where all these influences come from. That's fantastic. I didn't realize all those different influences were in there. So, wow. Okay. Um, a lot of people are geographically challenged, uh, which is understandable. Um, it's not our main focus when we go to school is to, you know, it's like, it's like you, you, you take a recorder class and never in your life again, do you need to use a recorder? Um, some people just don't rely upon geography. So where exactly are we talking? Where is the Philippines in comparison to China or, or the rest of Asia? The Philippines is in Southeast Asia. So where China would be a little further north. It's like Japan would be a little further southwest or southeast. Um, and then to the east, you have Hawaii. So as, as you go further south, in the Philippines, you head into like Singapore, okay. Taui, and okay. that goes into the spice trade, you know, so it was a major uh, avenue for spice trade. Excellent. So now, um, are there any parts in the, I guess, in the country or any parts of New York City that are known to have Filipino markets, that are known to have more of a concentration of of a Philippine population, or, or, or are there other places that have markets and restaurants that people can actually go and explore this? Yes, all right. In New York City, Queens, Woodside Queens is known for their abundance of Filipino restaurants. And if you go to the Asian markets there, it's funny because on one side of the avenue, you have Filipino restaurants and then you cross over and then it's all like little India. Right? And a lot of the produce that you'll find in these markets cross between both cuisines. Chinese long bean, bitter melon, taro leaves, um, pili pili nuts. There's a whole bunch of things that you can find there. There's a lot of things that you won't. Uh, a lot of the uh, sweet fruits you will not find at these markets, but you'll find a lot of the root vegetables. Uh, purple yam, which is known as ube, or the white mountain yam known as camote you'll find in these places. And 
you can go to each of these restaurants and they each have their own interpretation of a certain dish, like sisig. Sisig is served in a sizzling platter and it's basically a pork hash made from cheeks, snout, belly, ears, uh, liver, vinegar, calamansi, chilies, and onions. It is absolutely delicious and fantastic. It's, just, it's an explosion of flavor in your mouth. But you'll find different interpretations of it. And in order to get all of these ingredients, in New York City, you go to Queens. Okay. Okay. Very cool. So Woodside, Queens. All right. So I'll have to definitely check that out. But I'm definitely checking out your restaurant. I'm going to make a special trip the next time in the city to come down to the village and check things out with what's going on there. Because I'm super excited about this. Growing up in Colorado, I had lots and lots of Filipino friends. When I worked out there, a lot of Filipino friends. But they all cooked Asian food. They cooked Chinese food. They cooked sushi. Uh, they cooked Thai food. So they're involved in other ethnicities. And maybe that's just because Filipino restaurants weren't that popular or there weren't enough of them. Or maybe there weren't any of them back in the 90s. I don't know because I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that. But all I know is all my, friends, all my friends cooked all these, all these other Asian ethnicities and amazing, amazing cooks, very dedicated to their trade, um, just very conscious and hard, hard workers. So um, some advice to restaurateurs that are, that are going to get into the restaurant world, um, especially restaurateurs that want to go more niche like you did. What's the, um, what's the big takeaway? What did you learn? I would say the big takeaway would be really immerse yourself in the culture and understand what you're doing. You know, if you're, if it's not your cuisine that you grew up with, if it's not your culture, understand what it's about, learn the history, really, really become part of the culture in order for you to understand what the cuisine is and be right by it. Because there's so many different bastardizations of, of cuisines, you know, done by different cultures and stuff. But if you really immerse yourself in the culture, in the food, in the history, and respect the knowledge that you acquire, you will do right in the cuisine and the people. That is fantastic advice. I have a friend who has 30 restaurants. He's had, he's had restaurants for 25, 30 years. And when he opens a new restaurant, he goes to that part of Italy, that part of France. He goes to wherever, and he, him and his chef, his partner, whoever's going into the restaurant, they go there and they immerse themselves for a week or a week and a half. And you know that is just such great advice that I think a lot of restaurateurs um, just don't even think of doing or think they don't need it. And I, I would imagine it's a massive eye opener. I go to Italy every year and I literally said, you can open 50 different, very unique Italian restaurants um, all under the same, the same umbrella, under the same restaurant chain and just be very unique to compare to each other based upon what you'll find traveling the countryside, going through these areas. So that is fantastic advice, Miguel. Um, so that is awesome. What is the name of the restaurant again? Can you spell it out for us? Um, tell us how we can find you, the hours of operation, things like that. Uh, the name of the restaurant is Jeepney, J-E-E-P-N-E-Y. And Jeepney is a form of transportation in the Philippines. Uh, you can find us in New York City's East Village. We're located at 201 First Avenue. Uh, if you want to learn more about us and you can't get to us, you can find our cookbook, I Am a Filipino, on Amazon. And really, it takes you through all the regions of the Philippines and all the different types of cuisines. So it's really a road trip in a book filled with delicious food. Awesome. 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 Well, I can't, I can't wait to get down there to visit you. 
Um, I'll definitely let you know when I'm coming down. I'm super excited. My wife and I will definitely be down there. And if anybody else is in New York City and wants to try out awesome Filipino food, definitely check, check them out. And uh, awesome. All right, great. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. And, um, and until our next episode, our next guest, uh, we will talk to everybody later. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you.